This is the one with a mobile pope. An order of hideous monks. A library of silence. The hereticum opens. And Bill's denied her big bang. It's called Extremis. Here, here we, we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Skype sync. <laughs> <laughs> We're still on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. We're slipping and angels now. Dalek, Cyber, Zood and wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whittaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join us on this side and see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? What up, Podcast Land, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Oh, Doctor. <laughs> well synced. Holy moly, do we have a treat for you today, Podcast Land. Who are we? Glad you asked. Well, across the ether, across Skype this evening, I can see on my screen two wonderful people. Two of my favourites, in fact. There is, of course, across some land, across some water, across a little bit more land, in the very heart of Berlin, Marie. Hello, Marie. Hello. And also adorning my screen is the one, the only, the Drew Bagwen. Hello, Drew. Hello, otherwise known as the Whitney Wall. <laughs> It's like what the cricket team christened me today. Oh, what a dude. What an utter dude. <laughs> Actually, more of a chap. Uh, and I am Leon. Hello, podcast land. And today... Hello, Leon. <laughs> Hello. And today we are talking to you about Extremis. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Because holy moly, I think I liked it. I'm really exuberant right now. I don't know why. I skipped lunch-ish. I skipped dinner, certainly. <laughs> I'll explain it. <laughs> I loved it. Woo-woo. Oh, loved it. No. Right out the gate. That's a little bit more than loved I liked, it, but great. All oh, right, excellent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Talk me up, Marie. Drew, where do uh, you stand? Don't you worry. <laughs> I have a deep and abiding respect for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in the fuck, marry, kill of Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> yeah, a marry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent. Anyway, we don't have to kill if we fiddle with the wiring, right? We can just <laughs> pretend execute. Exactly. So, before we jump into this review proper, how about we elucidate podcast land as to the, the plot of this episode in a little bite-sized chunk of who? Let's. Time for us to synopsize, lobify and summarize, so take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview, this free-for-all, we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. The Doctor is being given a tour of the Fatality Index's latest in termination tech, an orgy of overkill which even a Time Lord's peskily persistent cells can't regenerate around. Right on cue, Missy is brought out for the execution. But whose two hearts and three brainstems are in for the shock of their many lives? Seems unlikely it's the Doc, because in the present day, when he's not haunting the vault in the dark, opening just any old enigmatic spam email sent to his specs, and downloading their attachments willy-nilly, he appears to be lurking in his favourite unlit lecture theatre like it's the most natural thing in the world. But some top Trump's cardinals and Il Papa himself have a freshly translated heretical text for Doc's eyes only that they're all too terrified to read. The Veritas! Restored to comprehensibility at the expense of all who receive its soul-destroying message. Is the Doctor's sequence of randomly generated numbers finally up? Beast Gal, over. Do Beast Welcome on. <laughs> 
<laughs> Aren't you just? That's stimmed. <laughs> Right, where are we starting? I have a question. Excellent. What is the Pope saying in Italian when Bill finds him in her bedroom? Because oh! he's all like, oh, la casa, la, la ragazza. Wait, hang on, I'm going to find the transcript. Because I, I, I remember making a note of what he said and then going, oh, oh no. All right, I've already forgotten about it. Hang on, I'm finding it, I'm finding it. <laughs> I really want it to be a Red Dwarf-like thing. Like, if you sad prat have learnt Italian just to find out what I'm saying, you're the saddest person in the audience. <laughs> Dag Nabbit just says, a Pope comes out to rapidly speak in Italian, then return. Don't that's remember. the worst transcript ever! <laughs> that's, that's not great. <laughs> uh, I, I can't remember what he says. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's very factual. It's like, oh, I thought we were going to the Sistine... I, I thought we were going to be in the Vatican City. Uh, what are we doing here? Why are there two women in front of me? Where are, am I? This makes no sense. You know, it's something like that. I can't remember exactly. Oh, okay. Do you know the thing that doesn't make sense? No. There's a thing that doesn't it's, make sense. Why can't Bill understand him if he's just speaking random old Italian why isn't this translated by the TARDIS oh and wow it blooming happens later does it does it does the same to the doctor and the Pope speaking and no and the other the cardinal like, yeah he, translating yes yeah. exactly yeah that does not need to happen you're absolutely right do you know why it's because the TARDIS respects the sanctity of uh, the beautiful <laughs> Italian language and just preserves it as it is yeah like a Jurassic Park mosquito trapped in amber. It just goes, no, no one may tamper with you. Actually, wait, that didn't. People did tamper with us. Oh, terrible analogy. You know what I mean. Yeah, but look what happened when they tampered with the mosquito. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I retract my analogy. <laughs> I think it's more likely Retracted. that the TARDIS, the TARDIS hasn't received a papal bull allowing it to translate him because to translate the Pope would be to dilute the poetic majesty of his, I don't know, whatever. Mm. The poetic majesty of his I am in a room. I am looking at some girls. Doctor, why am I looking at some girls? <laughs> I mean, it was comedic in the sense that he was really flummoxed and very down to earth, which I guess down to earth kind of perfectly encapsulates what the Pope is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Did you recognize the Pope, by the way? Oh, should we have? Yes, the Pope was played by Joseph Long, whom uh, uh, we've encountered once before. He played Rocco Colasanto in Turn Left. Oh. oh. I have some extra trivia about Joseph Long's acting career. <gasps> mm, let's hear it. He has played, according to his IMDb credits, five Marios and... <laughs> And four Luigis. What? No! <laughs> One of whom, the Luigis, appeared in a Poirot episode, The yes. Yellow Iris. Yes. Uh, oh, 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 really? I did not see that, but I did see that he was in the 2017 remake of uh, Murder on the Orange Express. Oh, right. He has also played the Italian Prime Minister in Little Britain, no doubt accorded the utmost respect. And... <laughs> Specifically for our British listeners, I must mention that he also played Giuseppe Dingle in the soap spin-off <laughs> director video Emma Dale, Don't Look Now, The Dingles in Venice. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, All right. That's not a real thing. It's a real thing. It, it, it sounds too right. bad to be fake. <laughs> God. Only in that. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know what I'm watching tonight. <laughs> I can just I can just picture that thing going, oh, so many bloody canals. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sorry. Tangent over. Mm, excellent tangent. <laughs> I think uh, that's my favourite piece of trivia you've ever given us, Drew. 
(laughs) (laughs) I've got a question. This may be answered in episode and I just missed it, but who called the execution of Missy? Oh, that is a good question. I don't think it is in the episode. So so why is she on an execution planet? Well, uh, I mean... (laughs) But I feel like she's pissing enough people off. Somebody's <laughs> bound to get to her eventually. So it's not Doc then? Because I, I feel like I must have forgotten something, but I don't know what I've forgotten. Maybe it's Clara. Clara's arranged this while she's flying around mm, in the diner. Probably. That makes sense. The um, long game. I do she's have still, a question, actually. She's still pissed off about Danny Pink. Because it... Oh. But, but it seems as though... I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm kind of cutting, cutting you off there, Marie, because you wanted to ask another question. But on this question, isn't there... Because Doc is there almost as though he has delivered her because he's surprised that he is also the executioner because otherwise like w- why is he there you know you well this kind of it kind of links into my question a little bit because i did it's more jim's question than my question or it's Ooh. my questioning what jim <laughs> saw <laughs> okay but he, so his theory was that the whole first scene would we're not supposed to know who's being executed and you're trying to and it and it's like leading up to thinking the doctor's going to be executed and then yeah. when missy comes out it's like a twist and like who's it going to be but i didn't get that at all or did I, did I just miss something no no i th- i think you're absolutely right that's what in a normal episode they would have been going for but it was completely hamstrung a by the vault teasing throughout the series so far and b the flashback structuring of this episode, I, I've made a note that that would have been much better to do just at the beginning of the episode without any preamble, without any prior mystery, and then it would have stood up. And it would have worked really well because it was very finely balanced and calibrated apart from everything else we've seen to date. And the, <laughs> the, there's also very little time afforded to the audience between saying, now like bring out the condemned or whatever it is he says, and the reveal that it is Missy. As in the guards standing right behind her. They're like, oh, bring out the condemned. They stand up, they start approaching the camera, and they might head towards the dock and pick him up or grab him. They might be there at the behest of Missy. Like, maybe if they, as in, they don't on screen, but this, I think, would have improved the scene a little bit if they had just placed her slightly to the sides and <laughs> uh, maybe had the, the guards head towards effectively both of them. We, the audience, don't know which one. And then it's almost a surprise. Like, it's a surprise to us as much as it is to Missy that someone just grabs her by the shoulders. Mm. Or that it's a double yeah. cross. Maybe she thinks that it's, oh, that'd be, oh, wait, hang on, I'm rewriting the scene in my head now. Like, <laughs> I feel like that could have been a pretty nice thing, but it's also a trope. That would have been better, yeah. But yeah, but yeah so the, that begs the um, question then, so who, why is she there? Yeah, yeah. No and, and although Missy has a litany of crimes, so does every other villain in the Doctor Who universe, uh, and they've so never turned Doc. up there. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah. I didn't like that at the end. I'm jumping to the end now. But when they were just like, oh, you're more intimidating than I realized. Okay, bye. That was very weak. (laughs) That was a little weak, yeah. Yeah. The thing I didn't like, which you've already picked up on, Drew, is that every time there was something really dramatic in in episode, it just jumped back to this one scene again. And it's just, we know how this is going to end. We know that he's guarding a vault and there's someone in the vault because we've heard her in there we didn't know it was missy but now we clearly do so therefore we already know that he's obviously not going to kill her so that scene just has no drama to it whatsoever and that, yeah. that's the thing they keep cutting back to and it just takes you out of what is otherwise a really good 
episode. Yeah, and any drama that they generated last week with the next time on Doctor Who by showing River's diary, any remaining drama that I didn't ruin by being like, it's not River, has <laughs> been ruined because Nardole gets it out and says, oh, I've, got, I've got your wife's diary. And then Missy's, uh, well, Missy, I think even before that, sort of nods her condolences because River is gone. And it's definitely not River. It's definitely. I think there's uh, another, another reference to the diary which isn't entirely successful in the scene. And by the way, Podcast Lamb, we all clearly really like this episode. <laughs> but there, I think, to, to me, the main reason why they keep cutting back to that scene is because they really, really want to have that parallel of, I think I think he makes a reference to hope, hope or freedom or dreams or whatever it is, and it's kind of a quote, or maybe, maybe it's a paraphrase of what was read from the diary, the thing that Nardole says, reading from the diary. But that parallel is only impactful because we have the flashback like it's not impactful in episodes it's not like oh you know what i went through my entire life as a simulated doctor like 1200 years or however long i've not existed in real life and i never came across the concept of hope but then nardol said this thing and i was like oh yeah hope that's a thing and now i've just remembered it and you know what that makes this really impactful i'm sorry that just doesn't that doesn't work no but, um... i i i found it didn't quite add up nardol says things he, he's quoting from river's diary this is stuff that river has written about Doctor explaining why she loves him like she does. And it's good is good in the final hour with hope, without wit- without hope, without witness, without reward. Virtue is only virtue in extremis. Now, whether I agree with that or not, I don't think it quite adds up later on when the Doctor is calling back to it saying, I don't believe in much, perhaps not in anything, but now belief is all I am. And I don't quite see how those two things marry. No, absolutely. Yeah, he was going on about oh, without hope, you know, in extremis. But it was, but it was not. She was talking about him being a good man and doing the right thing, basically, which linked him with him not executing his oldest friend, but doesn't link him with him figuring out that he's in a Matrix universe and he just needs to escape in order yeah. to save the day in real life. And email, like, oh, like they just those two things are not comparable. It just didn't, it didn't fit in at all. Yeah, I. I I mean, maybe they needed to make the Doctor trying to commit suicide like everyone else a bit more of a struggle. He did ask... He, he did ask the guy, turn me off. He said that. Mm. And then he said this stuff that didn't quite gel with what he said earlier. And suddenly he has the email idea, which is another thing I, I didn't particularly like. <laughs> I, oh, really? Because, oh, holy smokes, I have two... No, I'm sorry, this is a tangent from that. But I have two bullet points regarding the email and the email attachment. And the first one is just like, oh, that's an odd transition. You're receiving an abnormally large email in the future. Okay, then. Like, not impressed at all. Cut to the very end, my very last note. It's just like, oh my god, 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 OMG, OMG, OMG. What a reveal at the end. Okay, yeah, I totally dig the email attachment now. So, yeah, it, it worked for me. <laughs> well, my, my niggle with the email attachment is, can just any jumped up subroutine send an email? When you're playing Grand Theft any, Auto... any no, jumped but, up subroutine, though, dude. No, he says any jumped up subroutine can send an email. I'm doing what any jumped up subroutine can do. So, okay, he's okay, the king of the subroutines, but he's saying they all can do it. You're playing Grand Theft Auto, and you're getting spammed by the guy in the next lane, being like, hey, <laughs> would you like to go on an adventure with me? No, fuck off, I'm trying to do a thing. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
But I want to go back to Missy and her scene because I've never seen Missy as defeated and beaten as this. And looking back on it, it's a bit strange because at times she seemed completely cavalier in the face of almost certain death. But here she really isn't. No, here like, why, she has no plan that? B. There are no Daleks lurking around the corner. She doesn't have a teleportation bracelet. Yeah, but I, I, am I thinking back to when they're on uh, Dock Force One or whatever you call it, um, Boat One maybe, and and she's quite happy to just explode the plane with her on it as well. I thought maybe she had a teleportation. She had a teleportation there. thing, I think. Oh, okay. And she's normally in yeah, cahoots well, guess... with another. Oh, sorry, Marie, go for it. Well, again, like normally she can regenerate as well, whereas this time it was a. Like, we're going to kill all your regenerations and you'll never come back and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, um, but um, no, but that's not... I don't know why I said that, because I don't want to justify it. Because, yeah, like, normally, like, the doctor's the one who's in a position to, like, stop her for good. And he never, ever does. And he always leans back on, no, we've got this friendship and there's good in you somewhere. And I, like, and I believe in you. And so if her fate's now in the doctor's hands, there's no little subtle nod. Like, she doesn't know what he's going to do. And I just feel like that's not really true to character. I agree with like, you. I don't think she believes that he's callous enough just to pull the trigger and she's gotten forever. Surely she should be able to just NLP him. To, I mean, she knows him better than anyone else. She can basically NLP anyone into doing her bidding. In fact, I mean, the master was hypnotizing doing? people constantly. Like, just by looking at them, the master would be like, mm, done, and people would follow <laughs> him, do whatever, blow themselves up. I, I wanted to say something else, though. Yeah, she's now faced with... Uh, this unheard of technology that uh, can eradicate all future regenerations, although it doesn't seem entirely, you know, it doesn't seem 100% accurate because you then also need to store the body in, in some place for a thousand years. Just fucking incinerated, man. But yeah, so, <laughs> or as we learned with the impossible astronaut, kill her like twice, once while she's regenerating, done. She won't oh, yeah. regenerate again. But I also wanted to say something else. In the last classic that we reviewed, Ark of Infinity, the Gallifreyans had a device like that. Like, they had an execution chamber for uh, Time Lords, for Gallifreyans. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But so this isn't to, special. Like to, to, and what do they do? Do they keep the bodies? Because I'm sure we'd no. seen something about you have you have to burn a Time Lord's body because one single cell is so valuable that people will destroy galaxies to get to it. Yeah, that's the impossible astronaut again. Uh, but yeah, and there's none of that, and we're just going to put it in a vault, and this one person is going to watch it and that'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> also a Time Lord, so super legit. <laughs> they won't <laughs> have any connection. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, I'm... I'm... I apologize if I'm laboring the point, but I feel like John Sim as the master, okay, it's not the Missy incarnation, but in some ways the Missy incarnation is even more cavalier and daredevil and batshit crazy than John Sim. John Sim was perfectly fine to just destroy himself and all the Time Lords and everything because the drums were driving him crazy. And so I, I feel like it's not a very mastery reaction is what I'm getting. And that combined with the why is she there at all, who has put her there, it's beginning to grate just a, a little, but it is it is very cinematic and very high stakes. Yeah, and the place where they are is actually kind of cool. I, I 
I appreciate the concept of a planet that is solely devoted to killing people, as in, like, it, the logistics of execution. It's an absurd concept. Yeah, why not? And they have, like, their only Wikipedia is, oh, how did people die? Why has Doc died in so many ways, by the way? No, that's what I thought as well. It's not. It's how, how many people has he killed? Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, because oh. I was going to... Um, yeah, because I was thinking, I wrote this down, I was like, oh my god, this like is leading up to the, the whole, um, what's the... If you say the child. impossible child or whatever it was, is that what it's then called? She'd be, then she'd be oh, saying that, exactly I what she wants to say, you That's, leave her alone. Uh, uh, Marie, how dare you, no, <laughs> Drew, how dare you? <laughs> that is not oh, canon. But it's not... <laughs> People Dude, that he it is. Killed. Get He's on board. The cause of death. <laughs> Year of the gas leak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's not. It's not about the number of times he's died. It's about the number of people he's killed. Right. But I do yeah, think totally that they that. that was said in a very misleading way because I yeah. thought the same. I thought. Yeah. They call. They call it. Look at my <laughs> cause of death file or something. Yeah. Could definitely have given it a much less ambiguous title. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I didn't realize that at all. I thought it was basically these people live to terminate life. That is their sole raison d'etre, and the fact that his life has been terminated on a number of occasions, but seemingly ha uh, to to no avail, that that would freak the crap out of them. So that's how I read that. Now I'm just thinking he's a murderer. Like that's not cool. Yeah. Look like, up in your files how many people big, I've killed. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm your head witness. <laughs> I'm thinking they should that... be trying to hire him. Yes. Yes. Precisely, yes. Marie. Oh, so good. He should be yes. the new CEO. <laughs> like you've been doing it wrong all this time. Look at me. I don't even carry a weapon, and I've killed more people than you on this planet. Yeah. I don't have a stupid <laughs> wrist lookup function. <laughs> I've done more. I've killed more people than you will ever kill. I don't care how long your life is. But yeah, but that, so that's why they're running away at the end. It's not because they've they're rethinking their whole existence. It's because they're terrified of him because he's killed this number of people whilst unarmed. Yeah, and they're but just the not used is... to being around people who kill other people. I mean, that's anathema to them. <laughs> He's the only one who says, oh, I've never been armed. And they just believe him and just run away. <laughs> like, <laughs> What about Jim saying, right no more? <laughs> <laughs> they stood right next to the Time Lord killing machine. They could just pull the trigger and he'd yeah. be gone. Like, give him a, a teeny tiny little push. <laughs> 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 That's all you need, buddy. <laughs> If I was the guy looking it up on my wristband, I'd be really confused. I'd be like, okay, so you killed all these people, but here on this planet, you had one job, buddy, and you've completely botched it. Yeah. I'm like, wait, and you didn't even get paid for it? Like, where are your robes? You just, like, take off his robes. Like, these are, these belong to you now. I'm not worthy. I'm going back to execution school. <laughs> I said, should we talk about some things we did like? Yes, please. Start us off. What I really liked was I was worried that I wouldn't because when you bring up something this is so big, like you can, everyone who's read this thing then goes on to kill themselves. It's such a big setup, and I was sat there going, I'm convinced there's nothing they can write on that piece of paper that would work on me or would work on the doctor or would work on Bill. Like it's they're going to come up with some crappy reasoning that like oh you know all the religious people said did it because they found out God wasn't real and the scientists did it because they found whatever blah blah blah. 
But then the reveal comes and they start doing the numbers and it's like, oh my god, it's so like it's so convincing. How do you how would you ever explain that? And yeah, I loved but... that. I thought that was so clever. Yeah, look, I, I really got the vibes of if we were to do it now and come out with the same numbers, I mean, I would be shaken to my core. I might not go and kill myself immediately, but I'd never be the same again. Yeah, there are there are two things that I just point blank disagree with. One, the whole suicide is the only logical next step option. Like, no, absolutely not. Yeah, why aren't those scientists just fucking each other, perhaps it- to death, <laughs> just, but just all over <laughs> that room? No, but that's sitting like, okay, sipping wine. I feel like there are only two ways you can go with that. I mean, okay, fine. Three ways if you want to have a suicide in the mix there, but I, I, that makes no sense to me. Like, one way is to go, yeah, all right, then I guess we live in a computer simulation. Does that change anything? No, not really. Okay, I guess now we have an answer to the, like, oh, is there a god? No, actually, we don't even have an answer to that. Like, it's not even the programmer, because maybe there's a deity beyond that. Who knows? Like, it, it makes no difference to you. You might as well continue in the world right now the other option no it does make a difference of course it makes a difference they're they're not just in any old wacky old simulation they're in a simulation that is designed to mimic our world so this alien species can test our weaknesses and then destroy the real world so are you suggesting that they're committing suicide out of out of solidarity with the real earth they want to go back yeah it's all the like all the major like important people that think that they might be able to play a role on real earth so the scientist guys are like okay we can stop this invasion if we get back to our real bodies um, but and like... it's not in their head it's not suicide it's waking up they're, they're taking the blue pill or the red pill and you've just said take the blue pill go back to sleep dream your life away in no, a no 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 wait 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 but that's but it's not like all of earth is asleep and dreaming this simulation this is a computer simulation it's like a copy of the Earth. So if you kill yourself, you're just deleting yeah, a copy. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. Like, it's it's not like are... you take the blue pill. Oh, sorry, you kill but... yourself at CERN. You blow up CERN and then you wake up in real CERN. You don't, you don't wake up on real Earth. You just delete that bit of code from a from a simulation. That's all you do. Oh, my so, gosh. So I if, thought of it. Yeah, so you that. might as well yeah. just... Basically, there are two options. Either you go, right, well, this makes no difference to me because, I, I mean, I might as well continue what is effectively life because like they've simulated everything i'm still paying simulated taxes i'm still getting simulated <laughs> benefits i might have a simulated call tomorrow maybe i'll have wake up with a simulated boner like everything is exactly the way that it works on earth no problems no questions asked the other option is to go okay you know what this makes every difference anything goes there are no rules because we like all those taxes and the r- laws and everything else they are all simulated we might as well like it, it will turn this simulation into Mad Max and then they do that until the weird monk dudes go uh, yeah let's just reboot guys turn it off and turn it back on again and let's let's start this up again yeah um, what, I'd, what completely they, not, I'd completely not thought about that I was I was thinking they were all going to wake up and and then be able to go and stop the aliens but the, it's no, only the doctor is the only one yeah because he sends the email and nobody else has managed to contact the other side so you're right they are just deleting themselves so there's absolutely no point to it Oh well, no, there, there could be a point to it if <laughs> the scientists were clever enough, clever enough to realise that ah, we are part of an experiment. These guys are harvesting information from us as they then go on to say later to the doctor in the Oval Office. We'll sabotage their experiment, is that what you mean? Yes, yes, well, we will make it harder for them. Do you that know would... what else would sabotage the experiment? 
turn this entire simulated Earth into one gigantic human centipede of boning. Uh, have do, fantastic can, fun, can, can get I, drunk, do drugs, drive fast cars, fuck everything, don't pay taxes, they're all simulated. Fuck you, the evil alien overlords. I'm a programmer, I do whatever I want. Yeah, that would also sabotage <laughs> the, um, the experiment. And you'd get to have some fun. Yeah, you know what would help the experiment is if... The monks intervened when this sect originally translated the document and just said, yoink, <laughs> took it away. And then no one finds out this weird, quirky thing about everybody says the same numbers. <laughs> so, by the way, pre-Christian sect. So we're, talk- we're talking Roman Empire still. Like, we're not going further back than that because it's written in Latin, right? It's the Veritas. Yep. In the simulated world, writes... <laughs> writes a piece of like writes a document that says we are all software in a computer simulation by an alien race <laughs> that is devising a plan to invade the real world oh let me explain real world the, so there are these things called atoms and particles and whatever like the fuck could they have written this is like thousands like a, a good a minimum 2000 years ago someone wrote a two pager about computer software no they didn't they they couched it in the supernatural language of their time there was an evil demon that's what they couldn't explain back then but that means nothing but I, I also i also think that this experiment hasn't been going on for 2000 years has it surely i sort of thought that was like a i don't i don't think i fully understood who wrote the veritas but like it was like a a book in the program basically um this and is super matrix, the demon guys are trying to exactly they're just trying to get it back they're trying to constantly steal it back but they keep failing somehow i don't understand why um but yeah i didn't think it was really that old i think the the simulation just appeared and we all have memories of like history maybe maybe they've only been studying us for a few months or something so why not write that out of the history oh sorry drew well i just i just don't see how they could fail to know when to intervene this seems like a closed system they are projecting all of it they can appear in any part of it even the people who are off grid how do you program people who are off grid i don't know but they can find them as well because they seem to be in complete control so that they then don't exert that control and allow this one weakness and it doesn't add up for me it's also possible that this simulation has in fact been going on for thousands of years it's as in thousands of years in a computer to to the monks this might just be a day it might be uh, you know the blink of an eye but yeah. that they don't want to change they start the simulation 2000 years ago whenever it is which they really don't have to but they do that and they're afraid of changing even the most minute of details such as removing the veritas from the equation because that would then not make for a perfectly realistic depiction of the earth yeah they've had all these goes beforehand where our old sim city or sim city 2000 <laughs> that one monk who mr unreliable he comes in and he throws all the catastrophes at the world there are tidal waves there are whirlwinds and like jerry get the fuck out we're doing something serious in here we want to take over this planet not just wreck it i just thought of something why doesn't doc send this email in every iteration of the simulation Uh, i don't know why now wouldn't every simulation basically be the same they just approach it from different angles because otherwise like what does it matter like they want to see what the earth is like what every individual on the 
Earth is like, including Doc. Doc reacts the way he does now, because even if he were real Doc, he would react in exactly the same way. Yes. Mm, I can't answer that one. Yeah. I mean, perhaps they've just been refining it and refining it, and you know, I, I can see how they would gather more information to make a more realistic simulacrum or whatever. How many simulations are they supposed to have done? Don't they tell Doc something like, we've killed you many times before? Mm. But yeah. he, maybe he never had the sunglasses before. Oh. Maybe he never got, like, if it... If they have been going through history, that maybe they never quite got to this point yet, and therefore he didn't meet Bill and have the adventure with Bill and need to wear the the sunglasses as as and you know seeing glasses. Oh, that's maybe tricky. He tweaked them. Maybe he tweaked them in the meantime to be more jazzy and do this Matrix vision thing and also get emails because we've never seen him get an email before on them. So maybe that is a new thing. So this iteration entirely depends on the monks having fully mapped out the docks time stream to date and being updated with hey guess what the doctor's blind he's only told Nardole but we know and that's how we get to see this episode hmm. tricky mm. yeah. yeah doesn't entirely make sense to me but it also doesn't have to no I mean it's a really good watch and I watched it twice and it was still a really good watch and yeah, I picked up on other things and I didn't pick up on some of the things we picked up on tonight but you know it withstood a normal amount of scrutiny it's oh, only certainly. when you it's only when you really get down to the nitty gritty and they're like, actually, and then just, <laughs> you know, be as inimical to the writer as possible. That I mean, he's trying to create a universe. It's not all going to hang together. This does a pretty good job. <laughs> oh, yeah. the writer, Stephen Moffat. Has he, ha- have we seen any other of his stuff? <laughs> has he written anything before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is a great episode. I think it's really, really well made. It's well crafted. It's well written. It's well structured. Yada yada yada. There are a few things that don't hang perfectly well together, but mm-hmm. sorted. It, it's got uh, hotspur. Do you know what else it has? Uh, no. Is it Nardo? It's Nardo. I knew it was Nardo. <laughs> I could see it in your face. I can hear it in your voice. This is where I talk about. I love Nardo. Oh my god. Well, because. Last week I was really not on board. I was like, oh, you know, it's fine, whatever, blah, blah, blah. This week, oh my God, I feel like he made this episode. He was hilarious. <laughs> like, there were so many good nod all moments. Like, he just came into his own, and yeah, oh, I'm even when he's fully... saying, even when he's saying nothing secret about it, baby doll. <laughs> <laughs> no, I loved it. I wrote that down. That's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> You're on your own. Yeah, he got this like yeah, swagger <laughs> that he's like come from nowhere, and he was suddenly really cool. <laughs> I, I didn't it. buy him as a badass for a second, but <laughs> but I, I no, love Nardo. No, I'm so I'm happy not that he's, he's in a this. badass. <laughs> he's definitely not a badass. He's like he thinks he's really cool and he's trying to be a badass and he's not. And it's just really really cute. Okay, it okay. Is cute. I like that it angle. Is cute. It is better. cute. Yeah, it's really cute. <laughs> Before I realised what <laughs> and was he's going like, on, Bill, get behind me, Bill. You're not to walk in front of me, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I just really enjoyed him all episode. Yeah, I'm the only one who's legitimately permitted to kick his ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I realized what what was going on, and that they were all just bits of uh, well, that they were bits, so they were bits of software. Uh, when Nardole turns into when he's like defragged and he disappears. Well, sorry, when he's fragged and he disappears. Mm. I was heartbroken. I was like, what? Oh. No, Nardole, what? 
you need, you deserve more of a goodbye. Yeah, that like grabbed my heart by the nuts and just went, no, mm. you're going to feel something today, buddy. I really <laughs> like Nardole, really do. I, I like that scene, but not because I like Nardole, but just because it, it cut to the, I, I don't know if you, whether you call it humanity, of, of a person just being extinguished. It was terrifying. It was like, I do this thing and oh, I'm dying. And just, ah. And then I really, I really, really liked uh, watching Bill afterwards as well because, like, they just had this discussion about we're not real. She'd just seen him disintegrate in front of her eyes in a very, like, computery. Like, if this, if you were a computer program, this is how you'd be deleted, maybe in a visual way. Yeah, that's a true science. And so she kind of, yeah. So, like, she thinks, like, okay, I should do what he's done. And she goes right up to it and she puts her hand so close to it. And then it's just like, this, like, human part of her is like, but if I'm wrong, like, I can't, like, she's not quite brave enough to do it. And she runs off after the doctor instead. Um, but yeah, I really like that she's now completely alone and her companion's just disintegrated and. What do you do? I liked that scene. Mm. It's a super powerful scene, yeah. She should have just said, yeah, yeah we're I fucking well like. And just brazened <laughs> <laughs> it out. Also, I think Nardole should have, rather than disintegrating, he should have gone, and like a dying Pac-Man, just been... <laughs> Different game, but still, yeah. Wait, that was the other thing that I was going to say before that I, I don't buy into, that I, that makes no sense to me. The whole, like, oh, there's no such thing as simulated randomness. Uh, yeah, there is. Like, you can absolutely tell a computer to create a random number. If you have two computers and they're both generating random numbers, they don't generate the same numbers. That wouldn't be random. Like, that, that, no, that definitely does exist. This is what? a shit computer if it can't generate a random number. You're talking about two different computers. This episode was very careful to say within the same program. I mean, I'm sure that computers have got around that problem now. No, wait, no, <laughs> yeah. no. If, if it's the same I'm pro- sure that, I mean, oh, sorry, Marie. Yeah, I know. I'm sure that there are random number generators where you can, you know, come out with multiple random numbers at the same time. They don't all have to be one after the other. Yeah, if you have two different random number generators, in fact, wait, you have the same random number generator and you ask it twice in a row to generate a random number, it will generate most likely different numbers because that's how random no. number generators work. But that's what they're doing. They're doing numbers in a row, but everyone's part of the same program. So they're all saying number one at the same time and then number two at the same time. Not number two, yeah. obviously. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Well, hang on, hang on. But, I, I used to have a version of Windows Media Player. It's got better since, but there was definitely a time where I would set it to shuffle randomly and the first song it would play every single time was Give It Up by Casey and the Sun Shine band. I can now no longer <laughs> listen to that song. And if I hear the first five seconds of so that song, sense. it drives me crazy. Because <laughs> Windows Media Player, its version of a random number generator was entirely non-random. Okay, first off, give it up. Uh, secondly, the... the... <laughs> <laughs> Are you suggesting that this earth-simulating piece of software is mm. on the same technological level as your old MP3 player? Windows or Media, Media Player 9. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> no, but the thing is, they've, 
Sorry, I just sounded so northern just then. Um, the thing is, they put all, all of their efforts into creating this um, super hyper-realistic universe and they've thought it down to the like microscop- like microscopic level, but they, it just hasn't occurred to them that people might try and start saying numbers at random all at the same time. Yes. It's, just a, it's just a flaw in the system. Like It's not that it's a stupid system. It just hasn't been thought about. So it's yeah, never if been this programmed. were the case, then you would have like uh, how many times like people going into casinos in simulated Las Vegas like how many people on the like kids on the schoolyard who play uh, the old oh, <laughs> get, who's gonna say the highest number game we had the same childhood right like you guys played that game as well like when like two <laughs> kids meet on the playground and yeah, they're like yeah, oh no. I'll meet you at sundown dude, and dude, I'll dude, dude. say a random number dude rock paper scissors games would yeah. never end exactly <laughs> they would never win they'd be there until oh, they starved tie, oh, tie, oh, tie. yeah exactly yeah <sighs> Sorry, Stephen Moffat. Uh... <laughs> Which is why I don't think it's been going on for 2,000 years. I think it's only been on for a brief, brief window, and we we think it's been going on for longer. And that's why when this problem comes up, it's the first time it's come up, and that's when people start realizing it's a simulation. It's been going on for a maximum, uh, sorry, for as long a time as whatever the maximum interval of time is between kids on the schoolyard playing the highest random number game is, or rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> the problem is, is that we've since had that episode of The Good Place where something goes wrong with t- Demon Ted Danson's program, and he just snaps his fingers, and it resets, and they get to version 801 or whatever it is episode two of series two i think and that's what the monks should have done here rationally logically if they wanted to perfect their program that's what they do they don't go and try and intimidate dr simulant because he's not real so how big do you feel buddy ganging up on your sprite your subroutine going pain will be gathered Oh, fuck you. I thought that was a really cool line. It was a very Moffaty line, the like, uh, yeah, pain or suffering is information and information will be gathered, whatever it is. But you're right, as, as soon as he knows he's in the simulation, then he's not going to give you anything. Like, start. Maybe, maybe you can't start it again. Maybe they have been doing it. It's still information, years. though. Like, oh, because then they can simulate how to put the real doctor under duress. And we may get that next week. And if we get something that ties into this episode that they use against him next week, then fantastic. I am looking forward to it, if so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nice try, Doc. We've turned off the Wi-Fi. No email for you. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) My only weakness. Can we just do the random numbers thing now just to make sure that we're not in a simulation? Okay, let's do it. I don't know if I'm brave enough, Drew. What if we are? This is the moment of truth, Marie. Oh, God. If we are, then I'll meet you on the 13th floor. All right, hang on. Okay. Okay, okay, Leon, are you going to tap on the table? Uh, Okay, here we go. 24. (laughs) I don't have the list in front of me. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I know what you're setting up. <laughs> 17, 31, 4, a million, 7 billion and 7. Oh, oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to open the transcript. Okay. <laughs> yes. Close Chrome again. <laughs> 
So I guess we don't live in a simulation, or at least we live in a simulation that isn't based in Windows 9. <laughs> yeah, we're just in a more advanced simulation. <laughs> I mean, what do people think? What do you guys think of simulation theory? Sure, why not? Doesn't matter, does it? Does it matter to you? Well, it doesn't matter to me, but there's no way of proving it either way, so it seems exactly. a completely meaningless brain fart to, to harp on about. But some people do. Yeah, a lot of people are super-duper into it, and... Sure. I mean, why not? It it could be real. It seems like a really I mean, huge program if it is. Be, I don't want to be controversial, but couldn't you equally say the same about religion? Yeah. Well, yes. Yes, you absolutely could. And so it bugs me that some people are like, oh, religion's complete bollocks. But they will dig simulation theory super hard because it's more modern and it's progressive and it involves computers when really it's just a flying spaghetti computer that you've put in the sky. Well, yeah. I mean, that's exactly what it is. That's why I said before, like, oh, oh, maybe this answers, or actually, sorry, no, it doesn't quite answer the question, oh, is there a god because god would be the programmer, because actually, that conundrum even exists beyond the program. It's like, it doesn't, It. I would be a part of the group who who were just like, oh, wait, hang on, this, this doesn't change anything. <laughs> okay, if I kill myself, then it's just like I, I were killing myself, even if we didn't live in a, a simulation. And if mm. I act as though there are no rules, then I'm still going to have to abide by the simulated rules just as I would need to abide by rules that are real. So it doesn't matter. What what does it matter? Marie, if you read the Veritas, what would you do? Well, I was convinced that I would want to wake up, but you've now you've convinced me that I'm not I'm not waking up into my body. I was re- I really had the like this episode was very matrixy and I think I just had that funnel vision of like oh that's what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah, if the, if there was literally if I, you know, ceased to exist here then I just ceased to exist. Then yeah, I don't think I would kill myself. That seems really stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bravo. But Mike. I definitely wouldn't like <laughs> You know, I wouldn't be worried about... I don't know, because I was just about to be like, oh yeah, I wouldn't be worried about like normal consequences and blah, blah, But you still have to live within the rules of the game. If you just yeah. quit work and go on a big spree, you're going to run out of money eventually and, you know... I could just steal money from other people because they're not real, but they're as real as I am if they believe that they're real. Yeah, And there's consequences for them as well, then... There are plenty of law enforcement still playing the game who will happily shut you away. Exactly. So, yeah, I I don't know if it would change very much other than maybe you'd just worry less about consequences because none of it matters anyway i i don't even no i don't well yeah i mean maybe yeah i'm, I'm not gonna say what anyone else is gonna feel but like I, I i personally it would make no difference to me whatsoever if anything it'd be like oh all right well i'm glad i know okay <laughs> at least it answers why i'm here <laughs> Do you think that it would, like, you'd... Would it be like a massive placebo effect kind of thing? So you'd, you'd never be ill again because you'd be like, well, I'm just a simulation. I can't really get ill. Like, it, yeah, you just, can. They can simulate you. diseases. Yeah, but, now, but once you know about it, wouldn't it work... Like you could just think yourself healthy. Well, I mean that's no, that is you're super thinking matrix-y. about Neo. Get off exactly. the Matrix yeah, room. Exactly. Not that's super matrixy. That was you wouldn't like everyone would gonna... fly around all of a sudden and have kung fu yeah. fights. <laughs> Once you learn the rules of the game, then you can play them to your advantage. No, you I think le- you'd 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 become an obsessive hacker and you'd learn all the cheat codes and I think this is thirteenth floor, not the matrix, and I'm almost certain I'm I'm guessing that the twist at the end is going to be exactly the same one. Have you guys seen 13th Floor? No. 
potentially after the next episode or is this a triple episode yes all right two oh, episodes I'm... from now i may tell you hey, you know what you should totally watch 13th floor uh it, it, i, I want to say end of the 90s maybe i mean a lot of those things were <laughs> <laughs> when when did that come out yeah anywho yeah i i mean i don't know how much of where moffat seems to have got his big insights into human nature wrong will be shown to be defects in the simulation but we've already agreed that the scientists are not acting as we would act were we to be given this same information um I don't like the. So I was going to say I don't like the dichotomy of there are scientists and then there are people who pray because those two groups are not mutually exclusive. Scientists can be Christians or religious. We know this because we, as Christians, prize them. We're like, ah, look, these people are deemed clever by the world, and they think what we think, and so we're validated. And I worshipped with a biochemist for years at St Mary's, the um, University Church, which, when the university in Invented physics didn't just shut down. So don't be so simple. <laughs> um, going back to the, the scientists in the room and the we're all going to explode in five minutes thing as well. It really bothered me that when Bill and Nardole first walk into the room, everybody looks really gloomy and they're just like looking down into their glasses, their sad little glasses of wine. And they're like, mm. and, it, and it's supposed to be this aura of like, oh no, I'm going to kill myself, but I really don't want to. And then a minute later, they're all jumping for joy and they're like, yeah, yeah, freedom. And it just, I'd, <laughs> yeah, like, it Cause doesn't Because they, they have their like number chance. Would... 7,028. Way! I'm just proud, <laughs> happy to be part of a group. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But yeah, if, if you were that sad about having to kill yourself, then maybe you wouldn't all do it without thinking. And if you were that convinced that this is a simulation and I need to kill myself in order to save the world, because I, I think that's, that's the ultimate motivation is that if we destroy this simulation, then they won't gather the evidence that they need to destroy the world. If you were that convinced it wasn't real, then would you be so sad about it? It. Like it just, yeah. No, I, I also want to know why the people at CERN have access to so much dynamite. Like, where did <laughs> yeah, that come from? <laughs> yeah. If if I were the scientists at CERN, I'd be like, okay, what we need to do, guys, is everybody invest everything in Bitcoin and other blockchain technology, and we will make the computation <laughs> requirements for our simulation so vast that we'll burn through their entire computing deck like these monks they're not going to have a single piece of non-toasted equipment left yeah we exactly why is no one going hang on we're all scientists we're all really clever people let's let's turn the tables and hack the system let's somehow affect the outside world yeah no there's one. my friend who agrees with me Anyway, I looked it up, 13th Floor, 1999. It starred Craig Bierko. <laughs> everyone remember Craig Bierko? Oh, yeah, he's on my Christmas card list. That's right, Craig Bierko. Craig Bierko from such films as 13th Floor. He was great. Uh, I, I remember when I, I thought he was going to be in everything. Um, he wasn't. Uh, also, oh. Armin Milostal. Oh, and Vincent D'Onofrio. There you go. Oh, shit, I gave it 7 out of 10 on IMDb. All right. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Total departure. Ooh. I, I had <laughs> frankly forgotten. <laughs> 
I had frankly forgotten about the oblivious homophobic mom. <laughs> oh All right. Did we say when? Did, did we say when she was in the pilot that she had also previously appeared as Valerie in Gridlock? Oh, I think we. May- oh, maybe you did point that out. I feel like if okay. anyone pointed it out, it would have been you. Well, I I may be surprised again, or and have forgotten, but I was still surprised. But yeah, Jennifer nice. Hennessy. Hey, Jennifer. Uh, a, Thanks for listening. A striking, consistent character. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I did like when she said, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And Bill gave whatever response it was. And it was very nicely timed. It had just enough time for the humor to land. And then there's a nice quick cut to her pouring tea. <laughs> it's like, oh, OK, yeah. <laughs> we're going here first. <laughs> I really did. The, the tea thing really threw me because there was this, don't do anything I wouldn't do. And then they had this like, little look between them. And I was like, oh, Bill's definitely getting some. And then it went to the cup of tea. I was like, are you 90? Like, you've, <laughs> you've only got a brief window till she comes back from wherever she's gone. <laughs> yeah, and, that um, tea is yeah. foreplay, by the way. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's when when you really sauce each other up a little bit. Mm, would you like a cup of tea? I've got some digestive biscuits as well. Oh, oh that's still my beating heart. <laughs> Do you want to sit down and watch the chase on TV? <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that Moira is a hardcore coffee aficionado. Never touches tea, swore off it. He didn't have time to put that in the episode. <laughs> oh, that was the... That was the thing that she would yeah. never do. Bill gets out her secret teapot. Don't tell Moira about this. If she finds out, I'm dead. <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, she'll send me to coffee but... conversion camp. <laughs> 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 I wouldn't put, put it past Moira is all I'm saying. She yeah, doesn't seem no. like a great person. <laughs> Um, but I did, I really liked when, what was the, the woman called? Pip or Peggy? Or? Penny. 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 That's it, Penny. Oh, that's a nice name. And it comes back around at the end and the doctor's like, go and ask that Penny out. She's not out of your league. But like, and it's really like just boosting up Bill's like confidence kind of thing. It's like, she's probably never had someone in her life do that for her. Like she's never, she's obviously not open about her sexuality with her. Or maybe she is, but the mum's just oblivious. So Yeah. Um, but it was just a really, really like heartfelt little moment and then like tinged with darkness because it was like you might only have one like night left to do it basically yeah but real bill is reacting completely differently to the simulants who were told yeah i mean the world's basically over for you (laughs) and so yeah we'll kill ourselves and she's like i'm gonna go get me some tang Wait, this is a good, that's a super duper good point. Why isn't real Bill also on a date with Penny? Because they jump back in time. So this is, yes, so this is my theory, is that the simulation is just from that point forwards. Oh, mm, interesting. Oh, uh, yeah, I like it. But the date hasn't happened. The date was only ever sim- a simulation date. But, um, but, but how can the date happen if the only way it happens is that the doctor has received the email and knows all about the simulation? Yeah, if, tells, if that's the case, the then date. this is a terrible simulation as well. Or, or rather, the monks need to pay more attention to their analytics because it's like, yeah, dude, your system is telling you that there's a mutiny. <laughs> Maybe sort this out. Reboot. Maybe. Who's to say that Penny wasn't just about to ask Bill out anyway? Oh, yeah, Bill's a catch. I guess that's possible, yeah. It seems as though she is following Bill's lead more so on this date, though, than the other way around. Yeah, that's true. She's not used to this. Ah, Don't worry, it's nothing to feel guilty about. Fantastic. It's just tea. (laughs) 
Yeah. And then the Pope walks in. Yeah. <laughs> that is great. That, that is was, absolutely great. That was absolutely perfect comic timing. I loved that. Because <laughs> oh, I fully expected it to be the doctor walked out of my bedroom, which would be weird enough. But yeah. But the whole College of Cardinals. <laughs> And they're all, like, they're, the chaps, the cardinals in the bedroom who like look at her and all shrug, just like, yeah, I, we don't know either. That That is excellent. <laughs> like, yeah, we didn't ask to be here. Like, we're just as confused as you are. <laughs> can I talk about the thing I liked best in the episode? It wasn't perfect, but I liked it best. Ooh. Who can guess what it is? Ooh. Okay, okay, all right, okay, hang on. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Dude, wait. you know me. I think. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Um, oh, Dagon Abbott. Wait, okay, hang on. Is it a narrative element? Is it an actor or is it a line? It's a narrative element. It's a narrative element. Okay. Two words. Stereo sound. No. No, I was First just... Oh. words. <laughs> Uh, T? No, what does that mean? The. Oh, the. the. Hereticum. Hereticum. Oh, yes. Oh, see, 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 see. Oh, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous library. However, I don't want to undercut the thing I loved most, but this has pre-Christian stuff in it, and it's just some old books from a couple of centuries ago. Why aren't there scrolls overflowing everywhere and papyri and... Other things from down the ages, from ages that even precede that, that have been forgotten. Tablets, you know, cuneiform, everything. If I hadn't finished my quadruple Negroni, I would would raise a beaker for your use of papyri. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's true. I guess they've been collecting all heretic literature since the advent of the printing press. Ah, so they've done a bit of compilation, a bit of binding. Yeah. Yeah, And I mean, there's still, I'm assuming, heretical stuff being printed now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hence the giant library. But just the the concept of, I mean, there is a Vatican library, and they are still discovering stuff in it, because it hasn't, these giant libraries haven't all been catalogued, and it's the most bizarre thing. And so it is this enduring source of mystery and to see a representation of it however imperfect was extremely thrilling completely agree completely agree yeah those are the places in the world the doc should definitely be sticking his nose into yeah i like the 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 tremendous architecture of it just the visual of it it, i mean it was stunning it was a stunning library and then there's a little bit of tech in there as well because you've got the weird lights but then you also have a dedicated cage where you can read the veritas (laughs) where you have to be like strapped in now question for both of you how does this work hey Why is there a cage for a book that you know you can't read because if you do, you die? B. (laughs) If you are strapped in, someone else must turn the page. Are they locked in there with you? If they are and you are strapped in, you will not be able to kill yourself. What do they do with you afterwards? You can't talk to anyone. You can't be left alone. What happens to you? Do you start the world's most depressing book club? What happens to the people who have read the Veritas? There have to be two people down there to play the round random numbers game and thus the veritas is proven right and then they enter a suicide pact okay so why keep this in uh why have all the logistics set up 
to have two people read this together and kill themselves. Why isn't this thing tucked away in a, either a safe or it's in a block of cement or it's in a crate next to the uh, Ark of the Covenant in the CIA uh, warehouse in Indiana Jones? Why is it there? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because the church respects the sanctity of the truth. It can't just hide it and burn it. They, they could just burn all these heretical texts and then no one would ever read them again. But no, they're like, maybe this is the truth and we should treat it with the due respect. Respect. But surely that is also not the case because <laughs> <laughs> this is not a statement about the, the Vatican Church. I, the, I get it. I'm out on a limb here. I get it. <laughs> it. Surely that's not the case because that piece of paper, that document, or maybe like that booklet, that pamphlet, whatever it is, that two pager is the closest thing to proof that there is a higher power. So either the 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 Vatican could go all right we hold the power effectively like we hold the truth we can't tell people about it because then we lose everyone like everyone's going to kill themselves if we tell them the truth it's like that joke in uh, twilight zone or except they'd have to know what the truth is to know that they would lose everyone yeah but like they, they and can't, they can't tell... know that because then they'd kill themselves <laughs> that's exactly yeah that's my point so so like they can't they, they have the truth but they can't share the truth in which case destroy that document or encase it in cement or whatever because like, why well, would you keep they... it for all they know, and they, they, they've embarked on a centuries-long translation program to figure out what the truth is. That they, they don't know what the truth is to know that it differs from, let's say, biblical text. They're probably hoping that the truth, the ultimate truth, is just a really distilled bit like that goes on the end of Revelation and is like, you know what, this actually res- resolves all the bits that contradict each other in the oh, and this is God's preceding name. pages. That kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Right, okay. Here's uh, the cheat code. Here's the password. <laughs> Hmm. But sorry, what was your other point? Oh, I, I've already forgotten what my other point was. Uh, and thus I have obscured the truth. Oh, you're classic <laughs> Christian. Living conception of me as a religious obscurantist. <laughs> yeah, anyway, like, I don't feel like they would have a fucking cage with a chair that has, like, uh, a, a, you know, a reading chair with straps on it. I don't feel like that would happen. I guess the, the, the idea is just to try and force somebody to read it without killing themselves. If you're strapped in, you can't kill yourself. And hopefully the person that's in there turning the pages won't kill you either because they just want to know. And, and they've tried a million ways. This isn't the only way to read it, but this is just the latest iteration. It's like, this is how we'll, we'll find the truth eventually. Um, and that didn't work. And so they have to make another contraption next week. Yeah, the, I don't buy it. I, 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 I don't buy it because, like, no, what? No, you're strapped in a chair. You can still kill yourself in lots of different ways. Why? Why does it? Wait, wait. Okay, just like why do the people why at CERN the have guy? dynamite? Why does he have a fucking gun? Why does? It, why is he in there still as well? When they, they go and find the doctor, I don't know how they get to the doctor. But and they why does he not like breadcrust? Like well, I think to answer Marie's, or just to corroborate <laughs> okay, Marie's me, point, right. I couldn't hear Leon. Just the pitch went above the range of human hearing I'm for sorry. a bit there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Evie is in the other room going, yeah, I totally agree with that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Marie's completely right. I think they say he sent the email to CERN hours ago. They've clearly had enough time to rig up the dynamite under all the tables. So he's just hanging out No! There. He doesn't Wait. know anyone's oh, coming. Dude, no. In the I'm next sorry. Weather. No. They've had hours to rig up the dynamite under the tables. All right. A, where did they get the dynamite? How long does it take them to ship the dynamite to CERN? Surely if hours. you're at CERN, you can hours. just like press a few buttons and the place <laughs> goes up. Like, just do that. 
Apparently not. Yeah, yeah, well, you, if you if you were in CERN with, with all your work colleagues about to all die together, wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you at least want to go home to your family and tell them as well? Like, yeah, if you really exactly. thought this was the right thing to do. This yeah, is the Doctor Who episode that says every every person who works at CERN is a bloody nerd without any friends or family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, nerds. I retract my um. Why aren't they all just fucking? Uh, statement from earlier because yeah that wouldn't be my first reaction like oh i've really fancied these seven or eight people at work now's the time to get started no that's <laughs> not how it works yeah exactly none of this behavior makes sense no i thought you were going to retract your i respect this episode and from the beginning and i was going to retract my i love 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 this episode <laughs> <laughs> i still really enjoyed this episode to this point? <laughs> you have to wait till my review drew <laughs> <laughs> So this library is your favorite element of the show, you said, Drew. I just wondered, I wrote down a, um, a quote here that I'd forgot about, and I just read it again. And it says, the layout is designed to confuse the uninitiated, a bit like religion. How did you feel about that, Drew? I have a one word note, which is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> yeah. as, as if all religions are the same and one monolithic thing, first off. And also, I mean, Christianity boils down to two great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sorry to confuse if that was too baffling. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait, hang on. Let's let's put a pin in this and continue this offline because what? <laughs> I did not know that you could distill Christianity into two bullet points. Like, I had no idea about that. Yeah, Jesus says so. I don't think so. anyone's done it before. It's just Jesus true now. Did. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm quoting the Bible here. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, I see a nice light appearing behind your head. Um, That's the mirror. It reflects. <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Not a halo. <laughs> Excellent segue, Marie. Yeah. Brilliant Sieg. <laughs> Any other questions to sort of round off this uh, this review? What do we think of Pope Benedict the Ninth slash Angelina Jolie painted on that door? <laughs> I also thought it looked like Angelina Jolie. Spitting image. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Lovely girl. Didn't even disguise it. Like, <laughs> how could they? possibly have lived with themselves <laughs> like oh yeah we can't allow women priests but angelina jolie was the pope in the 11th century <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think there have been women who have basically been popes or pulled the strings as popes but i don't know if they're painted front and center you know given pride of place maybe they should be i thought there had been a female pope yeah maybe i haven't hmm. looked into it there was also a pope hilarious what? yeah indeed not know there'd been a female pope that's interesting i mean the, the whole papal um line is just riven with conflict and anti-popes who were counters to these popes and maybe even counter counter popes it was nuts okay so google tells me that this is just a legend pope john legendary female pontiff who supposedly reigned under the title of john the, the eighth for mm -hmm. slightly more than 25 months from 855 to 858 yada 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 let me tell you, it does not look like Angelina Jolie, the pictures I'm oh. seeing. Yeah, as as the Pope would if, if they had a just a half a brain cell. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I, to survive amongst this room full of dudes, I'm going to maybe tie my hair up, maybe wear a hood. Yeah, it's like a Mulan situation. Yeah, put, put on my big mitre. <laughs> Or what's the other one? What am I thinking of? Yentl? What's, what's it called? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> 
Is that Barbara Streisand? I think so. I think so, yeah. Barbara Streisand, patron saint of all Jews. Yeah, it, uh, absolutely. <laughs> Yentl. <laughs> <laughs> Yentl is the Mulan of Jews, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I, I did like, I mean, I'm, I'm not going into bat for the church against every jibe in this episode. I liked the, if you've got a collecting tin, sure, I can find something. Leaky roof, is it? Because part of our church roof got fixed last winter. And now guess what? This last week we've learned there's another bit to be fixed this winter. It never ends. Classic. It's actually a true stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> But there hasn't been an Italian Pope since 1978, so, you know, maybe update that one. But is this set in the... I mean, that is something that I, I did notice, that this Pope is not named. He is just the Pope, right? Yes, I think he's called the Bishop of Rome, and that's the only non-the Pope name applied to but him. But isn't the Pope always the Bishop of Rome? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so like, the, not... there isn't a name. He isn't, like, Benedictus the Nth. He isn't, you, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. John Paul the uh, whatever. So does that mean that this is set in the near future, even in simulation time? Yeah, maybe. Because he's not the current Pope. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I, I just have one more question, which is Doc's green screen effects, looking at the hovering data boards, the top trump cardinals, as I called them, mm. with the, uh, these are male and these are age and these are their heart rate and these are their height, whatever. Mm. I mean, we saw a lot of that. And in connection to that, what I really should be asking about is how did you think Capaldi acted as the doctor struggling with no sight, with some sight, with sight going in and out. Oh, that's a fantastic subject to bring up. Yeah, we need to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Marie, do you want to take us away? Um, yeah, because that was actually going to be my wrapping up point as oh, well. It was just... <laughs> I'm not bringing up mine now. <laughs> no. um, but I thought that was a really fantastic scene when he was kind of like coming in and out and everything was slightly blurry and he just trusted this figure came over him and he was like, yeah, yeah, you know, tie me up into this chair. This, this seems legit. But I think he played it really well and it was really nice to see him being really vulnerable because we don't get to see that very often and it felt really like you could see that it was a trap and you knew that something horrible was going to happen and he had no idea and he's never like we don't get to see him like that like on you know caught on the back foot very often so that was really interesting yeah okay yeah fair i thought he did a really really good job like i think capaldi did a fantastic job i'm not a hundred percent sure how i feel about nardole being his uh you know his yeah. alibi his uh his it, guide dog yeah exactly like because he was too obvious about what he was doing everyone else around them should have re realized what was going on like if you have half a brain you'll be like oh, wait hang on oh are you blind <laughs> like why does yeah, no one like, notice when the guy in the cage rattled and, and everyone was shocked and the doctor was like oh is there someone in there and nardo already hammers <laughs> it home with yeah actually we, we've all seen that yeah and bill's just like nothing to see here yeah <laughs> <laughs> oops yeah <laughs> Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. I think that maybe was dealt mm. with a little bit too slapsticky yeah. rather than too seriously. Um, but Capaldi was fantastic. I was surprised by the device that he had. I thought that mm. the device that he had was going to be some sort of reader. Like he would plug it into his head and then he could basically read a book or like he would scan the book and it would read it to him or something like that. Yeah, hack his optic nerve. Well, hack his optic nerve is, is what it does effectively. Like, 
like it, it temporarily restores his eyesight. Yeah, but it does so with an enormous electrical charge rather than just feeding the information in a very small, manageable way. Yeah. yeah. Why is that? Yeah, I, I... Because he's... Because it's not just hacking his optical nerve, he's stealing his eyesight from the future, basically, is what he said. So it's got, it's doing a temporal thing. Like it's, oh, see, that's a, grabbing it's a nice idea, but I do not buy it at all. No. Oh, wait, you can steal from your future life? What is that? That's nonsense, man. Well, the thing is, we've seen him do it so many times where he just uses a bit of regeneration energy. It's like, why couldn't you have just done a, done that and just use a little bit of regeneration energy and restore your sight yeah. again? Even, you know, if you want to do it temporarily, fine. But why bring in this, I can steal from the future? Yeah. yeah. And, and also, why is it a technological a... thing? Oh, sorry, Drew. I was also going to say, uh, no, yeah, why is it a technological thing? No, no, I was going to say, um, also I have a note later on when he's sat in the Oval Office. Hmm, voice to text would have been good about 10 minutes ago down in the Hereticum. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's basically what yeah, I thought it his gizmo was. No, it did. Did he have? The, but he had the laptop there as well in the little room still. Why, but he was trying to read the like original document, not the translation. I think. So this is the and problem with Windows Nine. I think we're getting at. Like if you're if you're, <laughs> if you're running a simulation of Windows Nine, there's no voice to text. So <laughs> you can't in Windows 9 simulate Windows like 95 and onward. <laughs> you can you're you're relegated to Windows 9. <laughs> Every computer in the world runs on Windows 9. CERN Except runs on Windows 9. The American presidents. He has Windows 10. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah. That's why he's the president. He has the special secret windows. <laughs> <laughs> my final point was going to be about the Oval Office scene, actually. Go on. Uh, not so much that, it, I mean, it's not even a point as such as, as just I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I don't know if this is because I'm buying into the, the gravitas that is lent the Oval Office in television and in, in, in movies. But for some reason, I took this so much more seriously than <laughs> anything else in this episode like more seriously than when they're running around the hereticum in the vatican all of a sudden he's in the oval office the president of the united states has committed suicide and his arm is dangling off his sides in a chair like looking away he's not even at his desk he's just like looking out yeah, yeah, completely abdicated his responsibility, by the way, to, to the public he serves. Way to lead, bro. <laughs> Selfish wanker. Yeah. <laughs> that was a an incredibly impactful scene to me. The, the fact that Doc is sitting at the president's desk, the lights are turned down low, there's only one other person in the room and he's dead. Like, there's no security, there's no one else. It just seemed... And it seemed so quiet. You know, like, if someone is in in that room then all hell should be breaking loose you know alarms are going off and uh, it's um it's like uh, what's it called uh, uh, the white house down or something has fallen i can't remember you know the thing olympus has fallen that's the one like it, it, it should be like that but instead it's like completely quiet and almost seems as though possibly the entire country outside of that room is also <laughs> just sitting dead in a 
chair having stared out the window when they committed suicide. Like it's, it's incredibly impactful for that reason. Now they're not because the news anchor is saying there's a total communications blackout. At the oh, White you're right. House, no, and sorry, that's you're... the biggest story that we have at the. Moment. No, sorry, you're absolutely right. Yeah, but but yeah. in 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 general, that scene really hit me, and I I'm, I'm assuming it would have hit me exactly as as much by the way if it had been at number ten, uh, totally, or if it had been in the equivalent in any other country, really. But yeah, holy smokes, holy. Smokeroonies and cheesecakes. Would you have felt anything if the Pope, the spiritual leader of two plus billion Catholics, had read this and was suddenly presented with the choice of with whether to kill himself or not? Oh, um, no, not really. So, orders <laughs> really are what you're concerned with. I'm with sorry. Nation states. Wait, what now? Orders and nation states are what you're concerned with, really. Well, I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> religious, so that doesn't enti- that doesn't have the same impact on me. If if this had been presented from the point of view of of the Pope rather than of uh, political entities, then I would have gone, okay, so this is... Most likely, I would have viewed that as, all right, this is probably a statement made by Moffat about religion. Let me take a deep dive into that and see what that means. That's very Uh, true. I mean, there's another thing as well. I don't mean to turn this into that, but I I got kind of Rick and Morty vibes in that scene in the Oval Office. Like it, It seemed like the antithesis of the equivalent scene in X-Men 2. <laughs> it, it just seemed like, oh, wow, there, there is a... Wait, hang on. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, check this out. Check this out. In the scene in Rick and Morty where Rick is in the Oval Office, it's the one where Rick and Morty are being... Uh, I'm looking mainly at you, Drew, because I know that you watch Rick and Morty. Marie, I don't know. I don't... I think you don't watch it. You should watch it. It's great. There's a, there's a, an episode. I can't remember which, which episode, which season. They're in the employ of the President of the United States, okay. basically, to... Uh, like uh, capture boogans that you know aliens and whatever things they're like men in blacking for him and uh, at one point (laughs) Rick is in the uh, Oval Office and like anyone who touches him dies like everyone in that room will die and in that scene he goes you don't know me I'm fucking Doctor Who in this house that is a line of Rick's (laughs) he says I am fucking Doctor Who like or I am Doctor Who you don't know what I am you don't know what I can do it's it's, it's cool Rick Doctor Who in this motherfucker this felt very much like that because like the only survivor person in this room is the doctor. <laughs> he is in the, the Oval Office. Y- yeah, anyway. yeah. Uh, people who enjoy that episode of Rick and Morty are probably nodding their heads going, yeah, I mean, that's a fairly mediocre comparison to make, but sure, yeah, fine. Everyone else is going to be like, maybe that was great. Yeah. Uh, since you've mentioned Rick and Morty, I should say that I have a long gestating essay I do mean to finish, where Extremist comes into it, and I talk about the Rick and Morty episode where they are constantly trying to break out of the narrative loop, the simulation. They're on oh, the, the train. train. Yeah. yeah and good. in which, guess what? Jesus Christ appears. <laughs> and I, I've, there, is, there is a definite correlation of what is the next level and let's bring religion in at this level and play with it. And that's all I'm going to say at this point. But there are definite parallels there. And see if I ever finish that essay, Podcast Land. Check out whoaboutwhen.com. <laughs> Slash blog. There are so many absolutely fantastic uh, people who have written blog posts for whobackone.com that I have not yet published, by the way, and I apologize to anyone who has done so and who is listening. But uh, I, I'm really sorry. Like, life gets in the way and work gets in the way and everything gets in the way. So I, I, I will get around to it, but I'm infinitely sorry. Uh, how about mm-hmm. we try to rate this thing? Let's. <laughs> <laughs> Skype sync. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. Okay, so I'm going first. For me, the greatest disappointment about this episode was that Missy never asked, can you hear the drums, Rafando? But never mind. <laughs> Why call the guy Rafando if you're not going to deliver that line from the master? Love it. The simulation theory mechanics of this episode I had written originally are fantastic. Not so convinced now. But conceptually, they are a perfect addition to the Doctor Who canon. If it hasn't been done before, it definitely needs a place and to be addressed by a writer at the peak of his powers in the Doctor Who universe. I don't think Moffat is at the peak of his powers here. The random number scene, for all we've picked apart the scientist's motivation, is the bit I remember because it makes a lasting impression. It is a very simple concept very well delivered but overall i feel like the episode is just slightly missing the top level moffat polish that marks out his very best scripts for instance there are about half a dozen duff lines when the doctor is saying you making an assumption makes an ass out of you and umption blurk that line didn't need to exist (laughs) bill says harry potter language i guess some people Uh, love like that line but for me whatever um when they say We'll get to you. <laughs> when they say truth in the heart of heresy, death in the heart of truth, it made me think of nothing so much as boys becoming men, men becoming wolves, a la werewolf bar mitzvah from 30 Rock. I can't take it seriously. Not any jumped up subroutine can send an email. When Capaldi said the word email and flashed his grin and was wearing his specs, for me, it felt really flat. Honestly, I expected him to say something much better. Even though I knew he'd already sent an email. <laughs> Never mind. Um, and the monks, they don't need to be monks. Why is Moffat still messing around with monks? I mean, we all know why, but come on! However, the haunted Catholic superiors are uniformly great, and they lend an incredible atmosphere to one of the most tantalizing settings ever whispered in an Italian accent. The Hereticum. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it could have looked slightly better, but still. Bello. Capaldi is great. Bill, excellent. Nardole is hitting top gear. But I the episode manages to globetrot to the Vatican CERN, the Pentagon and the White House without having it stamped in blocky capitals all over the screen at the start of every fresh location. It's not perfect. I think the tortured interweaving of Missy's not an execution scene, which we know going in because time jumps, removes all of the tension that could have been generated by staging it in isolation. This is a complex stew of a rating. Overall, this episode is taking massive swings and behaving like a true flagship sci-fi drama that the BBC should be pushing. So I like that part of it. I was going to give it what I should have probably given the last one, which was 4.4 instead of 4.6. But I think the discussion tonight has soured me on it slightly to the point of a 4.0 an excellent mini an excellent rating how dare you <laughs> criticize the harry potter line um <sighs> please <laughs> different worlds <laughs> marie would you like to go next uh yeah i can go next okay. um basically i just want to reiterate everything that drew has said because i feel like like most of the points you've just made are the same things that bothered me let me talk about the good things first i'm going to talk about positives it was really funny it was a really funny funny episode there was lots of really cute moments with nardole the popes in the bedroom and the catholic guilt and all that like it was it was really really sharp but it also was very heartfelt the doctor getting his vision back was really sad he had 
had this lovely moment with Bill when he was like, you know, go get that girl. You're worth it. And you haven't got much time left. And, and then the, all the references with River in the beginning and Missy. But, you know, we're friends, aren't we? You wouldn't kill a friend. I don't know. There was a lot of like pulling on my heartstrings and making me laugh at the same time. And so that's always worth noting. It's dealing with a really like big subject as well, like the like the concept of like mass suicide and science and religion and alternate universes and things. And I and I loved it. Actually. Like when I was watching it, I absolutely got swept away with it. The the shadow test scene is phenomenal. It's so creepy. Like you said, I just want to say what Drew said, but it was You're saying like, it so... better is the thing. You're saying it's so much better. <laughs> Keep going. But it's like really, really simple premise, but done so well and I was really shocked as like if I was there if I put myself in Bill's shoes like how do you fight back against that how do you tell these people no you're wrong yeah and I misunderstood what was gonna happen when they killed themselves and so I was totally on board I would have been at the table getting dynamited but <laughs> <laughs> since our discussions I have had a change of heart <laughs> thankfully which brings us to the negative it's like they just that's they just didn't think that storyline through enough I think this idea that everybody's just gonna simultaneously decide that I've just had enough of this world there's nothing for me here I'm gonna go and I was convinced that it was we're gonna if we delete ourselves here we can go back and like stop the world from being invaded or we can at least disrupt their plans so they're you know they're gathering information and we won't give them any information because we'll all be dead but the scene in the Oval Office as much as you loved it Leon why if that's the motivation for killing yourself then why doesn't the president go on blemming television and tell the whole of america nay the world like get them to read out the numbers get everybody to understand it get like a worldwide mass suicide going on like if your if your intention is to disrupt then he has the biggest voice on the planet he can reach everybody and yeah that was i don't know just yeah Yeah. anyway way to lead bro (laughs) 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 was banned from twitter that's um, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. Everyone think of a random president they hate. Oh no, we're part of a program. <laughs> um, yeah, the the Missy storyline really, really bothered me. I was really happy to see her back, but again, it just the the way they cut up the episode with it just didn't work. There was no tension there, and I really didn't feel true to her character. So that's a negative for me. Oh yeah, the other the email saves the day at the end also really bothered me. So I take off points for that. But I did like like I don't know if we discussed this. I don't know if it if it's like definitely this. But is this this is the point where Nardole basically comes back from Doc's had his like twenty four years on Derillium. And um, yeah, yeah. and Nardole comes back to give this message, and then presumably that's the point where Doc and Nardole like meet up and then start guarding the vault together. And so that was nice to just sort of like complete the circle and and put the you know put the jigsaw pieces together and kind of work all that out. So that was just a little side note. But yeah, so it's very all over the place. So I came into this thinking it was fantastic. I enjoyed it so much. It's like the best episode of the series. So I was gonna vote like score it as high as I have any episode so far this series <gasps> however since we've talked about it I've realised it's based on bullshit <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'll have How to bring it, it down quite a few <laughs> I'm still, but I still, I really enjoyed it. So 
I'm just, it's going to be still high, but not as high as it would have been. So I will give it, I'm going to give it a, a 4.1. Oh, I Wait, love how that. Wait, lo- how high a rating were you going to give this? I, I, was, I was on such a high after this episode. I was like, it's so cool and clever and it looks really good and everyone's acting their asses off and everything's fantastic. <laughs> um, I only just, I didn't like the Missy thing. That was always a negative. But yeah, I didn't really have any negative points before coming into this. So. <laughs> yeah, all right, fair. Excellent, Mini. Holy also, smokes. I'm really glad that you picked a slightly different number. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you hear mine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, I, this is another one of those episodes where I really, where we get to the mini section of our review and I realize why, oh, why did I not prep bullet points? Because there's so much to say and you guys have said it super duper well. I've, I literally have bullet points like Doctor, Bill and Nardole, Cliffhanger, like those, that's, that, those are my notes. So I, I really apologize. Let's start with the top one. Doctor! Capaldi does an admirable job here. He is uh, convincing as a blind doctor. He adds a little bit of gravitas and a a lot of tension. He solves puzzles and he's great. In general, I think he is a well-written character. Except, I don't buy his anti-blindness contraption. All of a sudden, there is a technological gizmo that somehow can make manifest and down-to-earth the otherwise quite magical and illusory element of regeneration. It's fine, it's part of a simulation. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's true, actually. (laughs) If that thing turns up in the real world, then I will not be amused. Bill and Nardole, I think, do uh, fantastic jobs as well. Bill is great, both simulation Bill and real Bill. Nardole loved everything about him except for the badass moment, which I thought was really cheesy. Cliffhangers and bookends. Mm. Okay, I'll put a pin in the cliffhanger. The book ending of the Diary of River Song, I just did not work for me at all. I'm sorry. However, the book ending of the email that is being sent at the start, uh, sorry, received at the start and sent at the end, blew me away. It was Moffat flexing his writing muscles. I was so incredibly pleased when I saw this happen, when it, when it was unfurling before me. Next bullet point, the monks. Question, are they? Are they monks? Uh, I don't know. We keep talking about them about uh, as monks, and they're referred to as monks on TARDIS Wikia, but are they really? No, they're just aliens in robes. I don't think yeah, anyone yeah. ever actually says that they are monks. They're not like monks in an order. They're not representative of religion. They're not a part of a cult or a sect or anything like that. Like, they, they, they're they just dudes in robes. And every single time we go to an alien planet, not every single time, like nine times out of ten, everyone wears the same clothes. Everyone has, like, that alien planet's uniform. So why is it so weird that this alien species wears red robes? That doesn't make a monks fucking uh, expand your mind people sartorially (laughs) in any case I've got tons of positives to say about this and I'm not even going to say them because if you want to hear more about them just like rewind this episode and re-listen to it it's great I've got a few negatives but only a few and they are aside from the ones that I've just mentioned the Missy element I I found that sequence quite anticlimactic Uh, another negative why suicide we've already discussed it ad nauseum however I want to round off on a couple of positives things and I'm I'm very near to the end here. First off, the awesome effect of the hey, everyone 
one is now dead. Quick flicker through pictures of crime scenes edit was perfect. If I have to uh, pluck a random line out of the ether and the only line I've actually, or the only lines I've actually made a mention of in my notes, Harry Potter language. Love it, Drew. Okay, end with this. This is a triple episode, and holy smokes, this level of dedication of time and of attention is exactly what we have been waiting to be lent to a storyline. There are so many times that we have encountered a story and we've gone at the end of it, like, oh, why is this a single parser? Like, this could have done with a double or a triple or whatever. Like, this is a storyline that deserves more time on screen. We're getting it now, and boy, oh boy, does it deliver. I love this. Yeah, this story will get as much time as a six-part classic serial. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. As it stands, uh, I'm really looking forward to staying in this world, in this universe, whether it's real or simulated, and therefore, and also partly because I really regret the rating I gave Oxygen, I'm going to give this (gasps) 4.2. Oh, very nice. That was a maxi review. I really apologize. This is what happens (laughs) when I don't take notes. Yeah, you made two excellent points in that the cliffhanger really does set it up brilliantly mm. i fully agree and also this is moffat's way of taking what gatis did with sleep no more and saying like dude you want to make an episode about layers this is how it's done <laughs> yeah exactly how about we uh, check out what podcast land thinks of this oh do let's <laughs> this is now let's hear from podcast land max 250 or it would get out of hand Shazamatron, and welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. We have two listener minis for this one. Apologies, Podcast Lands mentioned this a very short notice, by the way, uh, when we were going to record this episode. The first but listener you have mini. have had an extra week. <laughs> that is true. I retract my apology. <laughs> <laughs> first mini straight out the gate comes from Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hi, Kieran. Hi, Kieran. Kieran starts. Hi, folks. Hmm, so Doctor Who does we're living in a simulation trope. Well, this one actually works fairly well, even if it plays a fine balance between setting up the threat for the next few episodes and the undermining of the threat in this one. Still, quite a dark one when you think about especially the drunk scientist with a dynamite and not all coming to the crushing realization of what's going on. Very dark. And Kieran continues, the Doctor is still blind after the events of the previous episode. Point a pin there. And trying to hide that he is now blind, which I like, as the Doctor doesn't like admitting that A, he got things wrong, and B, he's hurting. I like that even a shadow of the Doctor is still doctory enough to think of a plan. Also, the mm. monk's cyber security is quite poor, isn't it? Perhaps they forgot to turn on the firewall. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> this would stop any email! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, Karen. <laughs> but Karen continues, let's talk about the monks. Creepy with their wizened look, though they do actually remind me of the stone people from Fires of Pompeii. They work quite well as the zombie-like monsters that scare you in your dreams. Well, that's one way of describing what's going on. Here's that pin. When was the simulation created? Just after the events of Oxygen? If before, the simulation would have had to have predicted that the Doctor was going to lose his sight. Hmm. Indeed. (laughs) And Kieran concludes, a quite strong app that stands up on rewatch, something I was worried about, and gives it a a magnificent score of (laughs) 4.1 out of 5. Great score, Kieran. Yeah, fantastic score. What we've learned is that (laughs) Kieran and Marie have been simulated within the same computer program. That's all we know. (laughs) 
Proves nothing. Kieran, don't do it. You're too young. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kieran. People who are not Kieran, you can follow Kieran on Twitter. Kieran can be found at KJ Evans two. <laughs> yes. Oh, is that how you pronounce it? Nailed it. <laughs> Nice one. Thank you very much, Kieran. Thanks, Kieran. Next up, we've got Eddie. Rock! <laughs> what up, Eddie? Great to have you back, Eddie. We've missed you. Eddie begins, hey, who back when? After a couple of weeks away, I'm back to rock my view of extremists. This was such a unique concept for an episode. It carries over directly from the previous adventure with the Doctor still being blind and leads to some really great moments, especially between him and Nardole. Ooh. This is Nardole's best episode. <laughs> he gets funny, as well as show that he's not just a comic relief. He's very stern with both Bill and the Doctor while remaining charming the whole time. Nice. The episode gets to be funny with moments like the Pope showing up in Bill's bedroom. Gotta love that Catholic guilt. But it has its truly disturbing moments as well, such as the shadow test in CERN, which was done with such intensity it's genuinely upsetting every time I watch it. The idea of a simulated test invasion is really clever and executed so well, and you don't see the twist coming until Nardole starts disappearing. I also love any episode with Missy, and seeing the Doctor freak out the executioner with his kill count was fantastic. Ah, kill count, there we go. Missy being alive in the vault sets up great stuff for this season. And overall, Eddie gives this episode a solid 4.1 What? <laughs> what? Out of 5 sets of finally useful Sonic sunglasses. This was a really good set of episodes. Too bad. Too bad the rest of the storyline doesn't live up to this one. But that's a review for another day. Until next time. Rock on! <laughs> no, you rock on any rock because you rock. <laughs> Dang right. People who are not Eddie Rock. Guess where you can find Eddie Rock on Twitter? Good guess. Well, just in case you guessed wrong, he can be found at the Eddie Rock. Thank you very Thanks. much, Eddie. Yes, thank uh, you, Eddie. Yeah, wonderful review, Eddie. Said it so well. Um, does it? Does this mean that our our average rating? Everybody gave it a four point one. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this is not the right episode for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, mean, median, and mode, all 4.1. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, thank you very much to the chaps who sent something in for this one. But you know what, Podcast Land, this is not where Doctor Who ends. However, it is where this review ends. So thank you very much for listening. That does conclude our N137 Extremis review. What have we got coming up next? Well, next up, we've got a Classic Who review. Uh, Drew, what's next up on the Classic channel? Snake Dance. That's right. It's the sequel to Kinder and Holy Smokeroonies and cheesecakes uh, all the ones to make a direct sequel to <laughs> yeah people hated that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
cannot wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> I've seen some screenshots. I haven't, I haven't watched the actual episode yet. But based on screenshots alone, it's going to be the episode to kill all episodes. It's, it's perfect. What's new in the New Who channel? Marie! Why, next up we have the pyramid at the end of the world. Oh my goodness, is that not <laughs> the most epic title ever? I really hope there's someone in the doorway saying, Welcome to the pyramid at the end of the world! <laughs> <laughs> of tomorrow anyway uh, in terms of audio who who knows in terms of bonus however most likely it will be our eighth anniversary bloopers as drew very astutely pointed out because we're still we still haven't recorded all of our next uh, audiobook strange readings but it's coming up it's coming it'll probably be the second bonus episode from now but in the meantime you can say hello to us on the internet Marie, are you available on some form of social medium? Why, you can catch me at Ham, Ash and Jelly on Instagram. Did you say Ham, Mash and Jelly? I surely did. Wow, well, those are three of my, my favourite things. things. <laughs> Wait, we're in simulation 7 billion and 7. <laughs> Drew, are you available on some uh, form of the interwebs? I am at Drew Backwen on Twitter. Mm, Excellent branding. And Podcast Land, if you want to say hi to me, high-five me online. I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. I will high-five you right back. You have been a lovely audience, as always. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next time, please be safe, be rad, be excellent. Rock on and cha-chao. Bye-bye. Kissy. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome. High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it. We're at who back when. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind the scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit. Listen to us on Stitcher and head on over to our website whobackwhen.com where you can submit a review of your own. Browse the article archives and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?